0: Hello, welcome once again to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond here on this 11th day of August. It's the Memorial of St. Clair. And I'm glad to have you here as we spend another hour together uh, trying to understand how God is working in our lives, trying to understand some of the different aspects of our faith so that we can grow closer to God. Now, do you have a life verse? Have you ever heard of that? Do you even know what a life verse is? This is something that I first heard about when I was in my early teens. I was growing up in a Southern Baptist church, and someone at some event or some gathering, they had talked about this idea of a life verse, a verse of Scripture, one or two sentences from the Bible that really spoke to you, really resonated with you. Maybe it helps you to refocus in difficult times, or it's it's a, a phrase of encouragement for you to hold fast to your faith. And this is something that is popular among evangelical Christians, and there's nothing wrong with it. I I think it just naturally kind of comes out of that tradition, that background, where instead of looking to the church, you look to the Bible as that sole source of authority on all matters of faith. Anyway, as a young teenager, I gave this concept some serious consideration, but You know, the Bible is really big. In the New Testament alone, there are nearly 8,000 verses of Scripture. So how can you narrow it down to just one, one that speaks to you in some special way? And honestly, nothing hit me immediately. I would be reading different parts of the Bible on different days, and nothing stood out as being that definitive life verse for me. And time went by. So eventually, over the next weeks, the next months, I started to forget about this concept. And then at some point, and I don't honestly remember how much later. It could have been a couple of years, maybe more. But somewhere, after I'd completely forgotten about this idea of a life verse, I happened to read something in the Gospel of St. John, and it really struck me. And it's this simple verse. It's John chapter 14, verse 15. And Jesus is speaking here, and he tells his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I had probably read this many times before, but when I read it this particular time, I thought to myself, wow, this might be the simplest explanation of what it really means to live as a Christian. Do I really love Jesus? And if so, do my actions show that? Am I keeping his commandments? Am I loving God with all my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? And then if I'm not putting that much effort into keeping those commandments, well, do I really love Jesus, or do I love him at least as much as maybe I, I think I do or I say I do? So John 14, 15, that was a verse that really stood out to me. I never actually labeled it as that life verse. I didn't like that title of life verse, but I did think this was a great reminder for me to focus on the basic things when I was trying to live a Christian life. Don't get distracted with other things focus on the main thing, right? The main thing is the main thing. But then when I was talking with other people about my faith journey where maybe there was a natural point in conversation and I might want to bring it up, I could never remember. Was it John 14, 15 or was it John 15, 14? The 14th chapter and the 15th verse or the other way around the 15th chapter and the 14th verse? And you want to know what I found? They both say almost the exact same thing. Jesus is speaking in both places, both verses, to his disciples. And I just read the first one, John fourteen fifteen, where he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, the next chapter, John 15, verse 14, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And I loved this. I, it didn't really matter then if I mixed up the order of chapter and verse. If I love Jesus or if I am his friend, then I need to do what he calls me to do. I need to follow his commandments. Have you ever boiled down love and friendship to this basic idea, doing what is asked of you because that other person, you love them? And I really think this is true love. True love, it makes us want to do whatever is asked when we're asked to do something by that person that we love. And it kind of goes back to that old cliche, actions speak louder than words. So in your home, if your wife or your husband, if you're married, if they ask you to help with something around the house? How do you respond? Do you help immediately with a good attitude or do you find yourself maybe grumbling a little, dragging your feet? And then ask yourself that about God. When God asks you to do something, what is your response? Do you have that resistance, that reluctance, or do you immediately and joyfully respond? That can kind of give us an indication as to where we are as far as loving God or loving our spouse or loving our neighbor. And I know obedience isn't always easy, doing what somebody else asks us to do, especially when they're in that position maybe where they have authority over us. But this is what we were going to talk about today on The Inner Life, being obedient to God in all the ways he asks us to do things, and then also... We're going to look at those relationships, being obedient to those those individuals that God has placed in roles of authority over us. So it might be a difficult topic, but something very important for us to look at here. And joining us for the hour to help us look at obedience how we live this out in our lives father sam martin is back once again as our spiritual director father martin is a priest in the diocese of La Crosse, wisconsin and he is the pastor of holy name of jesus parish in wausau wisconsin father welcome back to the inner life glad to have you here today
1: oh josh this is a great topic and it's a beautiful day and uh, maybe each one of us will take a little step in the right direction and uh, i've been listening intently this whole time here josh so i think uh that's a good start to the show, at least for me.
0: <laughs> well, good. And now I'm going to listen intently to you as I ask you a couple questions about obedience. First of all, um, you specifically, as a Catholic priest, you know, all Catholic priests take certain vows. One of those is obedience. And uh, from kind of your firsthand perspective, why is obedience so important, not only in the life of a priest, but of any believer?
1: Well, there are lots of reasons, I suppose. I mean, one idea comes to mind, St. Paul says faith is passed on by hearing. So there's something about uh, listening, and that is a you know a docility of the heart and openness that Mary receives God. It's the greatest human activity. So because she listens, she's docile. She, uh, Her last recorded words, do whatever he tells you, well, that's how she lives. So because of her uh, her disposition of listening... Uh, she could receive the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us, and so the Jesus comes into an obedient heart uh, that uh, seems to show this trust and this uh, this great capacity for re- receiving. And uh, so, why is obedience important? Well, it's uh, we see it in Jesus, and he's the role model for all Christians. That what he did, the life that he lived, he says, now you come and follow, and the imitation of Christ is is how people become you know heroically good. Uh, no one does it on their own, and the saints never knew they were saints, but it says about Jesus in the letter to the Hebrews that he learned obedience by what he suffered. So I always think that's an enigmatic. It's a mysterious uh, phrase, I realize. I don't think that I'll ever plumb the depths of it completely, but it, it does suggest that obedience is difficult. It's um, And if a priest is to be an altar priest who is another Christ, then he's going to have to imitate Jesus. There should be something about him that uh, points to the Lord, and obedience is something that... Jesus listens to his Father, that great uh, scene the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, that, uh, Father, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. So he's not, uh, you know, giving himself his marching orders. He's not uh, the self-made man. He's uh, the son of the Father. And he said, if you see me, uh, you see the Father. So there's this perfect union, and it's made uh, clear that obedience is a part of that, that trusting and listening to each other. And then the father speaks, you know, a number of times, that this is my beloved son, listen to him. Oh, well, that's uh, going to be a recipe for holiness. And not listening to him is going to be, well, a recipe for disaster. And a lot of us have experienced that I did it my way, not to, you know, fault Frank Sinatra or so forth, but uh, the willfulness of the human heart is um, one of the uh, effects. It's one of the, the lasting, uh, you know, uh, manifestations of original sin it's just there it's a part of the human sickness that we all survived but we've been damaged so listening now and it's not, it's not getting any easier you know i mean we're just not on a natural level very good listeners and uh, that then has an impact on our faith so for a priest any priest anybody under the vow of obedience the goal is to live like Jesus uh, who listened to his father and he taught us and his father asked us to listen to his son and those who do well by their fruits you'll know them so please god obedience leads us to jesus and he is the way the truth and the life and being close to him is uh, we become instruments of peace that brings uh, joy and hope courage uh, we don't take our marching orders from the world the flesh the devil but from god and uh, his ways are not our ways so it's never easy uh, but with his grace it becomes possible and uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to say, you know, the uh, diocesan priests anyway, the vows that they make of, uh, you know, chastity and obedience. That Chastity is the struggle for the younger priest, obedience for the older priest. And uh, for most of us, uh, both vows are (laughs) a bit of a stretch for all of our life, but isn't that the point? And if you get married, obedience has to be a part of of between a man and a woman, that they have to listen to each other. Not just the words, but uh, the the depth of what this person is is communicating. And uh, most of us would struggle uh, with this. And uh, But we'll get into that later, God willing.
0: Well, as you're talking about this, too, there's always been one story that has stood out to me, um, a very, I think, challenging line. And it's in the Old Testament. It's where King Saul... He goes to battle against the Amalekites, and he's supposed to not take any spoils, not any, anything from the battle once they win. And when the prophet Samuel, he ends up approaching the king, Saul, and calls him out on this di- disobedience, Saul tries to say, well, you know, all the things I took, I was going to offer those back to God. I was going to, you know, offer the, the, the animals as sacrifices, and we were going to give all this back to God. And it's kind of like that, you know, the, the kid with the hand in the cookie jar kind of thing, you know. Um, they're trying to sneak a cookie, and as soon as they're caught by their parents, it's, well, I was, I was getting a cookie for you kind of idea that we see here with King Saul. But Samuel, he replies, and he says, obedience To obey is better than any offerings, any sacrifices that we might give. And I think we have this very pervasive attitude, even in our Christian life, but definitely in our culture, of it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But that really is counter to what we hear Samuel tell King Saul that obeying is of primary importance compared with. Offerings or sacrifices—it—it's always just stood out to me. To obey is better than sacrifice.
1: And Jesus Himself will say that, you know, in a number of places. Not that sacrifice somehow is antithetical, I mean, to love. I mean, the Eucharist is the great sacrifice of Jesus laying down right. His life. But it's right. that this obedience—if you're never going to get to the sacrifice—unless you're willing to obey, unless you're willing to listen and to trust. And I know that we do have that as a common, you know, it's a little uh, adage or, uh, uh, you know, that it's better uh, to ask forgiveness uh, than or than permission, right? But it's, I wouldn't say that it's, I mean, we would disagree with that immediately. It's not better. It's easier, and that's what we like. I mean, we'll take the path of least resistance. Yeah, and we get to
0: but, do what we want. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what there really boils down to.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's a slippery slope. I mean, even if, you know, it's the old uh, Robin Hood, it, rob the rich and give to the poor, but Uh, it's still a a disordered action. I mean, you're not supposed to rob at all. It doesn't matter, you know, that uh, people can have uh, their things that they've earned, and there's, uh, you know, the principle of private property and so forth. But uh, it's just we, oh, this um, line from T.S. Eliot just seems to be, I don't have a life verse uh, here, Josh, but uh, once in a while these quotes from the, you know, great literature, that the great, what does he say in the death and the arch, Uh, this is, the story of Saint Thomas Beckett, death in the cathedral, and um, the last temptation, of the greatest treason, to do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. So in the moral world, that you have to have the right intention, it has to be the right action, and the the right goal. All these things have to line up. Like, well, I I serve, you know, down at the soup kitchen. Well, but why? Well, because it's I'm running for office and I've got to. I mean, I got to make it look like I am a man of the community. That I, oh, yeah, so. Uh, you might be doing something that's good, noble, and true. But uh, anyway, obedience, it kind of gets to the core of who we really are. Did you listen? Did you do what they asked? Well, and then we start uh, coming up with the rationalizations. And the devil will feed us lots of reasons. My dad used to say, oh, excuses. Everybody's got excuses. <laughs> and uh, well, my dad was right. Uh, I think he was talking my, about my siblings, not about me. But anyway. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah, well, and we see that in the garden. There's those excuses, you know, um, with the original sin. Um, You know, when Adam is asked... Well, it's the woman that you gave me. You know, he points to Eve and says, "Oh, it's it's her fault. She's the one who gave me this fruit." And then when Eve is questioned by God, "Oh, it's the serpent. It's always somebody else. It's always somebody else that you know." We have that excuse. I, I would have done the right thing if it wasn't for so and so. How about just in your life, Father? What what has helped? Uh, I, I guess just for you to be able to listen, to be able to. Uh, whether it's you know direct obedience to god or you know whether it's your bishop or you know your parents how have you seen yourself that you've been able to be a, a better lived out example of obedience any any specific things that have helped
1: yeah that's a great question i think uh, you know the first thing that comes to mind I think of my parents and my grandparents and the role that their devotion to Mary always played uh, just a kind of simple piety of a little, you know, we were all farming uh, communities in Southwest Wisconsin and uh, the rosary was always a part of the piety that I learned from the time I was little. And I think of all the people that are, you know, impactful in our spiritual life, the most, uh, of course, remarkable is Mary, the mother of God. And uh, of course, Jesus is a divine person, the Holy Spirit, a divine person, the father, divine person. But as, as far as human beings, I think that Mary, I mean, she is the role model for us. She's the completed Christian, the one that that did listen to him and did whatever he asked, even if it's very clear that she doesn't understand, that she stores up things in her heart. But look at how like her obedience allows her, at that you know, that the archangel Gabriel says, Mary, do not be afraid. And so she only has a question or two where the devil's got a lot of questions, and he's just looking to punch a... Uh, some sort of hole through your argument. He's looking for a loophole, and he's going to find it sooner or later because he, he doesn't care about the truth. He just wants to do what he wants to do. Mary just had basically one question. Is this what God wants? It is. Then be it done unto me according to thy word. That she finds that to be enough. That when a person is obedient, they're not looking for a way out or a way around it or a way to you know, excuse myself for the behavior that I'm going to do anyway. They're looking for freedom. And they know that it's just simple. If this is what God wants, then we do it. And if it's not what God wants, then we refrain from it. So I think that in my own life, that my parents, they, we just kind of grew up praying the rosary, and that's become a, a part of my life. It's, I will say it's not the easiest devotion. I think that I get distracted a lot. But now that you you, know, you ask this very pointed question, like, where would you say the strength or the, the practice of obedience in your own life, I mean, when you've had struggles, and I would, as a concrete illustration of a struggle like COVID, when we weren't able to have our churches open, and uh, that, I mean, I, I had to pray a lot during that time not to be, you know, like frustrated or, you know, let say the bishops of what, or whatever. I mean, it, we're human and we feel like we're failing, and I'm just going to open the church and do it anyway. No one's going to tell me what to do. And, uh, you know, I think we'd handle, you know, things differently next time. Uh, but even so, that was a hard time to be obedient. Uh, you know, to things that I, I didn't know if this was the right way for us to respond uh, to the, the struggles, the fear, uh, all the things that COVID entailed. So, but I, I think that praying the rosary, any devotion to Mary, wear the scapular, visit a Marian shrine, uh, lots of ways of growing closer to Jesus through Mary, uh, including St. Louis de Montfort's total consecration. I would say that she is a, uh, a fantastic advocate Uh, She'll really help us with with that um, beautiful way of life of being obedient, trusting, and uh, being docile.
0: Our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today is Father Sam Martin. He is a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And we're talking about that virtue of obedience, not necessarily an easy thing to live out. When have you had to exercise obedience in your life, even if you didn't want to, or maybe especially if you didn't want to, where you thought... Uh, you knew better or you you wished you could make that final choice, that final decision. Uh, what helped you to come to a place where you were finally willing to submit to whatever that authority was, whoever that might be, uh, be obedient to that direction that was given to you? Maybe there's an area in your life where you're really struggling to be obedient, maybe to be obedient to God's leading in your life and you'd like to talk with Father Sam Martin, well, you're welcome to call and speak with him at 888-914-9149. Again, that's our studio line here, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation shortly here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Vincent, who's listening in Illinois, for donating his Cadillac Join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle today by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. Welcome back to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That's a good bumper. I like that one. What What is that, Nick? Is that anything that... Good luck with that. All right. All right. Well, that's a good one. Keep that in rotation. Uh, I'm Josh Raymond, and welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Uh, today I'm talking with Father Sam Martin, and we're talking about obedience. Are you an obedient person? Are you obedient to God, to your parents, to maybe your your boss at work? Uh, whoever those people in authority are in your life. Um, is it a difficult a struggle for you, trying to be obedient, do what you are told? Uh, maybe you've struggled with that in the past, and you were able to come to a place where you were finally willing to submit to that authority, to be obedient. What helped you get to that play, uh, that place, that point in your life? Or maybe it really is a struggle right now, and you would like some advice some insight on what you might be able to do to grow in that virtue of obedience, you're welcome to call in and join the program here. 888-914-9149 is the phone number. 888-914-9149. Father, earlier in the hour you mentioned... The, the marriage relationship, and I thought we should get back to that, too. We talked a lot in the first segment about our obedience to God and living that out. Talked a little bit about, you know, some of maybe the other family relationships, but marriage is one of those where you've got two grown adults that are coming into this relationship, and in most cases— you're going to have to try and find this this common ground, you know, the the two-become-one-flesh kind of idea that we read in Scripture that Jesus even talks about um, when he's asked about marriage and divorce. And there's this last section in the fifth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and many might look at this and consider it old-fashioned, outdated, maybe even misogynistic. And it's a couple of lines they talk about wives being subordinate or submissive to their husbands. Depends on what what translation you're reading, but those are the words that are typically used in English. And St. Paul, he says, As the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Now, if you keep on reading, then Paul he says far more actually to the husbands about how they're to love their wives in the same way that, that Jesus loved the church to the point of handing himself over for the good of the church, giving himself up. So Paul talks about how a husband is supposed to sanctify his wife, uh, again, following Christ's example. Um, but this passage, it's it's one of those where it's, I think, very hard in our contemporary society to look at this and say, how do we live this out, especially with maybe this being taken advantage of in the past for men to wrongly justify oppression or dominance over women? Um, you know, that that's obviously a wrong understanding of what Paul is saying here. Can you kind of help us understand what Paul is telling us as he's writing about the marriage relationship and that obedience? and love that that uh, occurs in that marriage?
1: Well, St. Paul, I will say that uh, I have been reading the scriptures for many, many years, and I think I'm starting to understand him a little better, but uh, so it's the Holy Spirit and the work that he does in our heart and soul and our mind. And uh, keep in mind, of course, original sin shows itself in many ways, and sexism is one of them, and it'll probably be here in some form until the end of the age. But uh, now we never correct, we overcorrect, so then we get nervous about language like this, wise be submissive or subordinate. And of course the model, I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words. So Jesus the night before he dies, he wraps a towel around his waist and he kneels down and he washes their feet. And it's all men in the room. I mean this is the Last Supper and so he says that this is love. Love is service. Listen, fellas, that uh this is what you're commanded to do is um uh, is I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And uh So he's teaching these men that this is, you know, men want to be heroic, I suppose. Like, I'll defend my family. I'll take a bullet if I have to. Would you take the garbage out or, you know, wash the dishes? Well, I mean, you know, the game's on right now. Are you kidding me? I mean, i I got bigger, more important things to do. Well, love is sacrificial. It serves. And so wives be submissive. It was uh, Paul's way of saying that the, the wives allow your husbands to serve. Expect that they they by God's divine mandate that they need to give their life as a sacrifice. Why wouldn't God tell the women that? Well, they kind of do it instinctively, I think, more than because of the nurturing spirit. Many women will become mothers, and so they, they make lots of little sacrifices all the time. I mean, they, it's a part of the genius of women. Uh, Pope John Paul would write about the, the gifts that God gave to women. And for men, uh, this is something that Jesus highlights, is that love is humble. It's willing to serve. And so he, of course, gave his life for his bride, the church. And, uh, of course, the, the big heroic thing, that's what the guys want. They just, you know, let me die. This is what Peter says, that I'm willing to die for you right now, Lord. And Jesus has to remind him that you're not. And you're going to betray me not once but three times. So that um, Someday you'll be led where you'd rather not go. And then you'll be ready. And, you know, like the... Uh, you can hear that their desire to be heroic. You know, the sons of thunder. Like, we want a place it to your right and your left. Can you drink the cup that I must drink? Oh, we can. Jesus said, so Well, you will, but not now. It'll come much later, after you receive the Holy Spirit. So, uh, to be submissive or to be subordinate is is to allow and to expect that the other, you know, spouse will also serve, and not to just do everything for them. Uh, you know, that's you know, it enables bad behavior. And uh, there is a hierarchy, a sacred order, uh, maybe the husband more often the head and the woman more often the heart. But uh, And it's not a one-size-fits-all. Every marriage is somewhat unique, I suppose. But sure. uh, yeah. what is, you know, commanded by God is to love one another and to show uh, that the willingness to do little things uh, sometimes aren't even noticed. But even so, they're important. And those little things uh, tell which way the wind blows. They tell that I do the big things i that 's all I you know well, our ego can be in that. are we willing to do little things that only God sees out of love for the other so I think um i don 't know if that explains it uh, very cogently, but I know that we get tongue tied when we get close to this one, and it 's not often chosen at weddings anymore because it 's just not so politically correct and yet saint paul uh, his theology is is very uh profound and relevant is much now as it was then. So uh I think that if uh, if men love women the way Jesus loved the church, uh that's going to be a, a very healing and a very uh uh encouraging experience for a woman. Uh so then she's going to gladly serve. That just by her nature she does anyway, but she likes to, you know, uh know that these things are appreciated, that they're never take it for granted. And also, they're reciprocated that he's serving her all the time. He's looking for ways, how can I make her happy? How can I help her to grow closer to God? How can I help her to really flourish as a human being? What are the little things that I can do to help her be the best version of of what God wanted her to be? And that becomes uh, the great adventure of uh, fidelity. And and you have to ask God for help because every person is a bit of an enigma wrapped inside a mystery and so forth. Uh, I think that was Yogi Berra, but... um, Anyway, uh, so that's where we're at about Ephesians five, and uh, I said this: um, you're putting me in harm's way here today because.
0: Uh, well, like no, I, I really like what you're saying, Father, about uh, you know allowing uh, that person to serve that that husband in that role of husband or father, because you know that's one of the the great problems in our contemporary society is so many men who are absent from that role in their family as husband or father or both. Um, It it might be physically absent, you know, that they they absolutely left, but it, it could also just be a man who is emotionally or mentally checked out and not behaving and leading his family in the way that God requests of him. And if, if we have men who, and, and I'm pointing the finger at myself here too, if, if we have men who don't take on that role as spiritual leader in their home, they, I think, quite often will expect their wives to take even more of a leadership role in those tasks of spiritual and religious development for children. And you can't have it both ways. You can't be this kind of a deadbeat husband and then say, you know, but look at what Saint Paul says here in the Bible. You know, you need to listen to me and obey me, because mainly that just comes down to when it's convenient for me, I want you to do what I say. But then I, I don't want the responsibility that I really am being called to from God. And I think if that, if that husband steps into that role of that servant leadership that you're talking about then there's going to be servant leadership on both sides. You know, if there's if there's a disagreement, maybe it is the place for the husband to make that final decision. But I'll tell you, at least from experience in my own house, I'm far more willing to want to say yes to what my wife wants because I want her to be happy and I love her and I trust her judgment. And so I, I very rarely will ever kind of, Try and say, "Oh, this is really important to me, and I really think I know you want to go that way, but I I really think we should go this way." It just doesn't happen that much because I I, I want <laughs> I want her to be happy and I want her to get her way. Uh, but I you know if if there's not that servant leadership, I think there's going to be that lack of of listening because you you're essentially making your wife be both husband and wife, both mother and father. Does that make sense, Father?
1: Yeah, I think that um, as you're discussing these things, and you do so from within, I mean, you're a married man with a family, thanks be to God. I do so more externally, even though there are many parallels. We're both uh, living out some you know, dimension of God's fatherhood. Uh, but the idea, I think that um, you know, maybe what St. Paul is also touching upon is that where men really are invited to serve is where we're most reluctant, and that's in the spiritual realm. Uh, so many times the father will kind of abdicate, or uh, you know, I remember a friend of mine. She was dating a guy in high school, and he just wasn't raised in a church-going family. And she said, "I see a lot of, you know, wives in churches with their kids, and there's no father there." And she said, "I will not be one of those." I mean, so he got the, he got the message, and uh, he became very faithful, very devout. And uh, because I think that that's where men are reluctant to lead, you know, that you. Dad, you should, you know, invite the family. Let's, we're going to pray the rosary tonight. Spend some of your political capital, because you're not going to be the most popular guy when you do it. But even so, I mean, that then spares the mom for, she has to do everything. And naturally, you know, Mom always read the Bible stories to us and, and taught us our prayers and so forth. But she also expected that Dad was, and, and Dad was good about it. He was. I mean, he, uh, he took that very seriously. And that's the predictor more often than not, is that if the dad is practicing his faith, uh going to mass and so forth that's a much more um, accurate predictor about what you can expect out of the kids so here's a way that we can you know really uh be submissive uh, to each other in Christ is that um uh, in this I think why you know Jesus he chose men to be priests because we're less equipped than men or by than women by nature uh, they probably would have been much finer you know in many ways uh, but he knew that the men, when it comes to spiritual things, we can be cowards. We just uh, let the women do it and we stand out you know out in front of the church and have our smoky treat and uh, the women go in there and do the prayer thing and, and that 's not what God wants you know that 's uh, a way that we really can um, serve our spouse by being a good uh, spiritual father and uh, that 'll help it of course it enhance our marriage too so uh, other dimensions of of this topic, which is uh, I'm glad we're talking about it, because too often, if we do hear it proclaimed in church, uh, then there's just crickets afterwards. Nobody's going to... Well, so moving right along, uh, we'll talk about something that's uh, easier (laughs) and that won't uh, ruffle anybody's feathers, because probably there are some people listening today that might disagree with some of the things that we've said. Yeah, all right, well, you know, wrestle with the Lord and see we're not uh, saying anything that... uh, We're never going to upset the church's teaching. But the scriptures are as deep as God, so they read us. We don't read them. They tell us where we are. And as we get older, we're reading the same you know, stories, parables, but we're not the same. And a thing is received according to the mode of the receiver. So we're all in different places, so we receive where we're at. And someday we'll look back and say, gosh, I, I wasn't mature enough. I hadn't suffered enough. I hadn't experienced enough. I hadn't prayed enough at that point in my life to really understand things that I see now. And um, you can't go back, and uh, God doesn't want us to go back. And uh, we should be patient with others who are in a different place, too. So anyway, uh, I think, Josh, that you make more sense than I do about these things. You certainly would have greater credibility because you're living this beautiful vocation of marriage. So good for you and all those uh, people that are holding up the world because they're trying to be faithful to the vows they made a long time ago in front of God and their family and friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Father. Um, Again, talking with Father Sam Martin here on The Inner Life today and talking about obedience. We kind of got the tough one out of the way there, talking about the uh, marriage relationship and obedience within the marriage coming up let's uh, let's talk about children and obedience let's talk about obedience maybe in the workplace and what about if we have somebody who is in a position of authority that is asking us to do something that might be unjust unethical immoral um, how do we how do we deal in that situation those are some of the things we'll talk about next here on the inner life and also want to invite you into the conversation as we look at that virtue of obedience how have you been able to live that out in your life? Was there a time maybe that you were rebellious early on? And what changed? What helped you to come to a place where you were finally willing to submit to the authority over you, whether that is another person, your parents, your employer, Uh, maybe it's God. Uh, Maybe there's an area right now that you're struggling to be obedient to God's leading in your life or for somebody else that you have a relationship with here uh, in, in, in just your everyday life, it really is a difficulty for you and you'd like some advice from Father Martin. You're welcome to call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149 or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here on relevant radio and the relevant radio app. Thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined today by Father Sam Martin. He is a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, and today talking about obedience. Are you an obedient person? You know, or is that a real struggle for you, uh, especially maybe with one person, you know, maybe that one person who is in that position of authority over you, it's hard for you. Oh, it just rubs you the wrong way, having to follow their lead, having to do what they ask of you. Uh, maybe you've been able to work through that kind of a relationship and be able to come more to a place of being at peace in being able to submit to that authority and be obedient. What helped you on your journey? Or maybe it is that struggle and you need some advice. Maybe it's a struggle being obedient to God in a certain area of your your life, and you have a question for Father Sam Martin. You're welcome to call us, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, so we, we talked about obedience to God. We talked about obedience within a married relationship. Let's talk about children for a moment here. And... I think there's two different sides of talking about children and obedience, because if you're a parent, you might have this ideal of, you you know, my children, I want them to obey in everything I ask of them. Uh, And not only obey, I just want them to have a great attitude when they do it. But then we also don't want them to just be kind of these mindless automatons, these, these worker bee drones that don't have the ability to think for themselves. So there's that side a parent looking at their children, especially if they're young. But then there's also all of us who we are somebody's child. And if your parents are still living, then as an adult, you have that role of them in, you know, even though it's a bit more removed, still they're in a position of authority over you. And you should honor and you should obey your parents. And so uh, maybe we can look at this from the standpoint of a parent of a young child, but then also being an adult who is the child of an elderly parent. How do we, how do we find that balance of obedience in those family relationships?
1: Well, again, it probably is best if we have that relationship with the Lord, then it gets, uh, you know, from the top down. It's how kids learn from... Uh, your consistency, right? So if there are certain rules and so forth, and then they're enforced, then how the kids start to understand that this is my own best interest, too. and But I was just writing down a few notes here about, like, obedience is best taught by example. So, uh, like, if a, if a pastor in a parish is just always uh, publicly speaking against the bishop or the pope, and yet he wants people to respect him, I mean, you're cutting the legs out from underneath you. I mean, the classmate always says it's like blowing the bottom of your pulpit right out. I mean, how could you expect of them what you don't demand of yourself. So it's the same with if kids are learning through, you know, their religion class, CCD or whatever, that we're supposed to keep holy the Sabbath, and that means going to Mass, but we never do, they're going to wonder about that. Then, then I have to keep rules that my parents, but they seem to, you know, there's some rules that they are not really obeying. And so uh, I think that example is going to be always important, and that's one more reason for us to have, uh, you know, as parents, we we'll owe our obedience to God, and that's uh, for all, our whole life, that we are His children. We get older, and uh, hair falls out, and we get wrinkles and so forth, but at heart, we're God's children. That's what we are now. What we're going to be later has now been fully revealed, but even so, this obedience, our kids will learn it better if if we're still living our own obedience uh, first to God, and uh, if we have adult parents that are alive and so forth, uh, we owe them respect. Even if... Uh, at some point, there's a little more. It's not the same application, right? I mean, a kid, uh, you, you just have to make a lot of decisions for them, and they might not always agree. And we want them to learn how to disagree with charity uh, and with a certain amount of tact. So um, it's all right for them to iron sharpens iron, and we want them that when they come up against something that they don't understand or that they their visceral reaction is to say, "I disagree," "I object." okay, well, let's talk about it, you know, that uh, you will know the truth and it will set you free. And that helps them to develop that very uh, beautiful gift that I don't just, you know, shoot from the hip, but I, I'm not a doormat either. I mean, I'm trying to find yeah. a path that will lead to real virtue, and, uh, and that's the beginning of a um, foretaste of heaven. So maybe I've talked about both in one fell swoop, but I think obedience, whatever it is, is best modeled yeah. by, uh, by example. And that's where a priest... If he's, you know, sincerely obedient to his bishop, I think the people are going to kind of detect that. Uh, that's going to be something that they, you know, will learn from his example.
0: Yeah, they the pick up side. on it, sure.
1: Right. If the flip side of we're always just, you know, oh, the diocese and and they want this and they want that and it's an us versus them, well, that's just kind of petty, and, you know. And that's um, easy to play that card and make yourself look like a hero. But the better thing is to say that. We're part of the church, and the church has, uh, you know, we're all important parts. Uh, we're not all the same. There's a certain equality, and there's a certain uh, unity that's fostered by obedience. And there's, there's no obedience. You can get uniformity. I mean, that's just, uh, you just need a lot of, uh, of uh, threats and force. But uh, unity is cultivated by obedience and by real trust.
0: Uh, Father, listener who emailed us listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and she said, uh, my whole life was ruined because I was so obedient, and after receiving my first communion, I tried really hard to obey my parents in all things. My mom... She stuffed me, and I remember eating way more than I wanted because I didn't want to be disobedient. Uh, I became obese. Sounds like maybe that clean up clean up your plate, you know, before you can be excused kind of attitude. Uh, the emailer says, I, I met this wonderful boy at school. We used to meet at Daily Mass. He was so devout, but my mother didn't like him. I ended up marrying somebody else that she liked and into a family that she felt comfortable with and this husband of mine, he was materialistic, stayed out drinking. Uh, we had adult uh, entertainment materials in the house. I can go on and on. And she says, I cry when I think about all of this. I feel like I'm being punished for being obedient. A- and I think that kind of leads into where we have somebody else who is, we are supposed to be obedient to them, but maybe they're asking us to be obedient in ways that aren't the best for us, and I mean that could even go into. I, I'm not saying that's the case here with you know what I'm I'm going to say next, but somebody might ask us to do something immoral or unethical, something unjust to another person. Um, but in the situation with this emailer or with you know those places where we find ourselves, and it goes against our conscience, how can we respond in those moments? Being respectful giving that honor to whoever is in that position of authority, but staying true to what we really believe we should do in our own life.
1: It's never easy. And, you know, for the person who emailed, we'll pray, you know, that God can begin to heal some of that hurt. And the way to freedom is forgiveness. And our parents can damage us. I mean, they, wittingly or unwittingly, I mean, some of them can be cruel. And then I think it was Father Flanagan, the founder of the Boys Town, uh, uh, Enterprise. He said, "There are no bad kids. There are some bad parents, but no bad kids. So, um, and if somebody asks us to do something that is uh, is going to damage us, we might not know any better at the time. But as we learn, then we're going to have a choice. And as we uh, grow in terms of uh, we have a little more autonomy and so forth, uh, we can start to make other decisions. And uh, that, you know, in the end, it's the Lord is going to draw us into Himself, and He's going to ask us to pray for our parents." Uh, who that maybe they didn't know, maybe they did. And anyway, the Lord will have to sort that out. He'll be the judge of each person and why they did what they did. I mean, there's real abuse. There's real brokenness. Uh, and But if somebody asks us to do something that's that's wrong and we know that, then we have a duty to refuse uh, if we're able. And sometimes we're just in a position where we can't um, escape it, you know. So uh, that's a violation of our conscience, and we're not so culpable. Uh, but we do have a duty to the truth it'll set us free and uh in situations where uh kids can be you know real victims and it's a terrible thing and that the lord he sees all of it and he understands it and he uh the devil wants us to dig in our heels he just wants to to keep this division because it's uh, uh I mean we can't make any real progress spiritually speaking uh if there's just the, these pockets of unforgiveness and we can be completely in the right, you know, that this person did these terrible things. But even so, we're in a kind of a prison, almost self-imposed, and the Lord would set us free from that. He'd help us to know that I was there, I was with you. I know uh, what they did and, and even why they did it. And I, if they repent, I will forgive them and heal them and, and set them free. But I want to do that for you, too, uh, who had to suffer under, you know, some uh, terrible regime, you know, so to speak, because families... Um, there can be a lot of brokenness, maybe more today than maybe other eras, because of they're just so busy and so stretched, and so many chemicals, and just so many, you know, artificial consolation, counterfeits of love. There's just so much of that. That, um, but we still we kind of know the real thing when we uh, when we experience it, and that's what we really want.
0: Yeah. Uh, Father, one other email here I wanted to share. This is from Lynn, and she wrote in, said, This particular quote by St. Padre Pio regarding obedience, it keeps me grounded with God and life in general. When I read it, it spoke to me, and I keep this quote among others on my desk at work, and I look at it every day. And the words that she has from Padre Pio, it says, Where there is no obedience, there is no virtue. Where there is no virtue, there is no good. Where there is no good, there is no love where there is no love, there is no God, and where there is no God, there is no paradise. And I, I love that, because if you kind of take it backwards, Father, if you want to be in paradise, it all starts with obedience.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that can get damaged, you know, when we don't have trustworthy people, because then we uh, we just become very reluctant to, you know, op- why would we listen to anybody? You know, I mean, we've been hurt by people and so forth that we we kind of give up, we become cynical, sardonic, or whatever, and... And that's a, a tough place to be. But Padre Pio knew from exam I mean, he, from experience. I mean, he he was asked not to hear confessions, celebrate mass public, all these kinds of things. I mean, the persecutions came from within because they thought he was just you know not a genuine uh, mystic and so forth. But in the end, of course, he was vindicated. But he trusted that God would work in obedience. And so each time he was asked to to step out of the public forum and just to live a life of prayer and fasting and and accept this kind of a punishment, he did it, because it was under the vow of obedience. And so that made him a saint, a towering one, and these other extraordinary gifts were given. Yeah, amazing.
0: Father uh, Sam Martin, thanks so much for being here with us. I always uh, enjoy our conversations. We're down to about 20 seconds here before we end the hour. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners?
1: Certainly. May God bless, guide, and protect each of you all of your days in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit amen amen
0: all right look forward to having you back sometime soon father martin have a have a wonderful rest of your day uh thank you to nick sentovich and to thomas and for their help in producing the program stay tuned we've got mass coming up next tomorrow we're going to talk about kind of getting back into the routine of school especially if you have students at home and how we don't close out God, prayer, our faith life, as we go into that school routine. It'll be a great conversation. I hope to talk with you tomorrow here on The Inner Life.